Welcome to a new episode of That Nate Diggity Ain't Right, a King of the Hill podcast proudly recorded in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. This episode is proudly sponsored by Strickland Propane. Taste the meat, not the heat. (laughs) Had to do it. So welcome back. I know there's been a little bit of lapse since the last episode. So one weekend, which was a Sunday, uh, was the Super Bowl. Now, that weekend, I decided that if Hank was in charge of the podcast or a producer of it or whatever, he would ask that we not put an episode out for the Super Bowl. The weekend after that, that just, yeah, it just happened. Sorry. <laughs> but we're back. So this is uh, episode three, The Order of the Straight Arrow. Now, this one, of course, is kind of like the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, that kind of thing, but the Order of the Straight Arrow, and I know a lot of you listening to this probably did go through some sort of scouting of some sort. I know I was in Boy Scouts for a while, so, you know, I know all about this. My troops didn't really ever do, like, the whole camping thing, so that was a little different, but still. Like, I think we camped, we did a lock-in once. And that was about it. That's as far as the camping went. And then it's whatever. The episode is titled, of course, The Order of the Straight Arrow. And the description of the episode is, Hank gets in trouble with the police and environmentalists, which I got to keep that that word in mind, when he takes Bobby and his Boy Scout troop on an adventure. So yeah, they even call it Boy Scout. So there we go. That's fine. Okay, so this episode kicks off with the guys outside in the alley drinking beer, of course. Not sure if they've mentioned it being an alley yet, though. So there's that, but it is the alley. Man, well, anyway, it's the alley. (laughs) And I know they haven't mentioned the brand of beer they drink yet, which, what beer is it? We don't know, because it's only episode three of the first season. Calm down. We don't know anything about the show yet. (laughs) Hank mentions that he and Dale are taking Bobby's troop to the lake for Order of the Straight Arrow. He invites Bill and Boomhauer for, quote-unquote, old time's sake. Bill says, of course, and that he'll never miss on an Order of the Straight Arrow ever again, not since theirs. Hank agrees that, quote, ours was something special. Cue a flashback. (laughs) So... On the screen, it says Snipe Hunt, Arlen, Texas, 1966. Cotton, you know, Hank's dad, uh, along with Dale, Bill, and Boomhauer's dads, which, honestly, I'd forgotten that their dads were even in this. I do remember Cotton because, well, it's Cotton, and he's in, in charge of it all and leading it, but I really don't remember the other dads being in the scene at all. So when I was watching, I was like, oh, wow, I completely forgot. So there's that. Um, but... They don't talk, so that's another reason. So, you know, probably in the rewatches, it was kind of background noise for a little bit, and so I didn't, you know, see it. But obviously at the beginning when I first saw it, I was like, oh, well, it's her dad's. But I was, you know, a lot younger than right now. But, so all their dads are there, you know, with Cotton. (laughs) Anyway, back to the snipe hunt. (laughs) Now for the final test, the snipe hunt. Not going to sugarcoat it. Some of you ain't coming back. Those who survive will be honored members of the Order of the Straight Arrow. Those who don't will be dead. Question, 
Are you ready? One of the kids excitedly yells, yeah. Cotton walks up and says, you flunked the test of silence, Eustace, and asks for a silent stick, which all the boys have on a string around their neck, of course. Silent stick. Cotton breaks his stick and says, for the rest of your long, miserable life, you will carry the scar of failure. Now go get me a beer. <laughs> he then tells the other boys, Hank, Dale, Bill, and Boomhauer, to go bag some snipe. Dale is on the hunt until Hank stops him. Shut up, Dale. There is no snipe. Now, remember, he's he's younger. This is 1966, so he's a lot younger. Shut up, Dale. There is no snipe. I heard my dad talking to your dad. So that was young Hank. Well, not too bad. <laughs> so they're questioning what they're even doing out there. Boomhauer pulls out a bottle and says, We're going to get snackered. I want to get all messed up and pollute our minds. Three sheets in the dang old wind. And then, the, of course, the boys all, as the closed captions say, all murmur in agreement <laughs> as it zooms in on a bottle of Bloody Mary mix that even says, just add vodka in parentheses. <laughs> so they're getting, they're getting snackered on some Bloody Mary mix. So, you know... The whole thing, you know, people get drunk on apple juice and stuff like that. Or kids do, because they don't know better, right? So, what comes from this being three sheets in the dang old wind, right? Well, Bill takes the first drink and says, When I grow up, I'm going to drink this every day. Just like my dad and fly jets and maybe even be an astronaut. <laughs> Dale is next and says, I'm going to live in London and be a rich millionaire and have people killed. Now, next is Hank. And I don't know. I don't know some I don't know how to say this. So I'm just going to say it's the first utterance or something. Um but he said, "I'm going to sell propane and propane accessories if my grades are good enough." <laughs> but he can only do that if his grades are good enough, obviously. So uh, so now back in the alley, you know, coming back to nowadays or then a days, I guess then a days, that's not even real, whatever. But back to when they were talking back from the flashback, um, Hank goes, Oh, kids and their crazy dreams. And then this is honestly one of my favorite bill quotes. I'm so depressed. I can't even blink because <laughs> he's far from an astronaut at this point, obviously, but wow. What a great quote from Bill. And of course, after that, the theme song kicks off. Joseph and Bobby are seen running at each other with drills, but the cords aren't long enough and they don't get near each other and they just snap back. <laughs> uh, Hank says, well, we're going to make some men out of those 12 year old boys tomorrow. I tell you what Bill says, we still get to play practical jokes, right? Dale, they're not jokes, Bill. They're painful lessons. I thank my father for all the tricks he played on me. He taught me the most wonderful lesson a child can learn. Never trust nobody. That's how I know Bob Dole's faking that dead arm. So that's the first conspiracy of the episode is Bob Dole having a fake, or not a fake, just a dead arm. <laughs> so first conspiracy. Bell conspiracy of the episode. 
Uh, Boomhauer brings up the hand in the water trick. I tell you what you do. They'd spend a whole daggum day like that cleaning up that dang old pee-pee. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and do Boomhauer's voice. It's just, I can't do that. <laughs> Joseph says, Dad, can me and Bobby bring life preservers? Dale says, if you want to be sissies, Joseph yells, he said yes. <laughs> John Redcorn drives up and and Hank says, hey, Dale, your wife's, uh, Bill helps by adding healer, <laughs> which Hank replies, yeah, John Redcorn, let's get some funny Indian stuff to do. Dale calls him over and says that they have the order of the straight arrow retreat and says, I was wondering <laughs> when John Redcorn interrupts by saying, I'd be honored to look after your wife. Hank looks at Bill. Bill looks at Hank. Boomhauer looks at Dale. And Dale says, oh, well, gee, thanks. But what I was really wondering was if you had some good Indian stuff for the ceremony around the campfire. John Redcorn replies, hmm, our rituals are considered sacred and are passed down only in the nation. Hank says, oh, well, that doesn't bother us. Dale says, We'll take a sacred one. <laughs> With the wind blowing through his hair and Native American music playing in the background, John Redcorn says, There is a very ancient ceremony I learned from my grandfather. We call upon the sacred Wamatanya, and we ask him to breathe life into our sacred bag. Hank is taking notes. Spirit bags? Wamatanya? Funny looking headband. The boys are going to eat this stuff up. <laughs> now they zoom in on John Redcorn, obviously not happy. And he says, the spirit bag is very sacred. You should not make light. Dale laughs and says, I like how you say everything is sacred. That's funny too. <laughs> now Bill offers up his contribution of a bunch of ladies tennis socks for spirit bags he got them in the divorce, he says. Now every time she plays, she gets blisters, so that just makes him super happy about that, right? But Hank decides to burst his bubble a little. It's been six years, Bill. Don't you think she'd have bought new socks by now? Bill gets bummed out once his dream of his ex-wife being miserable without her socks is taken away from him. <laughs> Imagine that, though, like, thinking that somebody's not going to buy new socks just because you have them like okay good job good job bill <laughs> bobby and joseph are camping out in bobby's room talking about getting the straight arrow patch now when i was in boy scouts i was in it for a long time um i remember the badges but i don't think i don't think we really did much to get them like i think i only had like a couple just because I don't know if we were lazy or just not close to like good parts of nature or parks. I don't know, but I know I didn't really get very many. So there's that. Um, I know they started doing like weird, like belt loop things too. Uh, like little metal things you could put on your belt to show that you got things, but it was kind of like a, a patch or badge. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but Bobby says he's going to put his, next to his sewing badge that falls off 
due to Bobby's obviously amazing sewing skills. <laughs> he taps it and it just falls off. Uh, Joseph mentions that the badge is hard to get. He says, I heard they make you walk on hot coals and then you have to eat them. And Bobby goes, ew, after you walk on them? <laughs> they start using a little colorful language. And before Bobby can get out a full word, Peggy pops her head in. Pardoname? Did I just hear what I almost heard? Bobby says, I was going to say, forget about it. <laughs> Peggy, as an educated woman, says, son, Peggy Hill knows half a swear word when she hears one. <laughs> and then Joseph says, you have the coolest mom. She smells like Miracle Whip. <laughs> so good. All right, so... Now, technically, I missed a first appearance earlier. Ooh! Eustace was a first appearance earlier as a child in the flashback. So Eustace shows back up with his son. Ooh! First appearance again now of, well, Eustace and his son. And uh, <laughs> so ooh! first appearances of both of them. I'll just do them at the same time. Uh, the guys greet Eustace, but Dale says, hello, useless, and chuckles. Eustace gives a, a small chuckle, just to be like, uh-huh, basically. <laughs> he tells his son, Randy, Whoa! there's his name, Randy. <laughs> uh, he tells him to have fun and that he loves him, whether he gets his straight arrow patch or not. Hank <laughs> says to Dale, what a load. Can you imagine how I'd have turned out if my dad had loved me no matter what? <laughs> Now cut to Luann and Peggy in the house. Uh, Luann is packing up and thanks Peggy for the bus fare. It is very important for you to be there for your mama. It's a big day, is what Peggy says. Luann says, actually, her big day is the sentencing. This is just the arraignment. <laughs> so going back to previous episodes, you know what that's about. The fork. Always keep that fork in mind, by the way. Just... Keep that in the back of your head as you go through the series. Peggy gives her a disposable camera, tells her to take lots of pictures. <laughs> they get outside and Hank and the guys are standing by the car with an open trunk and lots of stuff in it. But Peggy puts a bag in, gives Hank a disposable camera and tells him to take lots of pictures too. <laughs> Gosh, Peg, if I didn't know better, I'd think you're anxious to see us go. They all chuckle. Peggy says, that is not true. You and Bobby are my whole life. Followed by her yelling for the kids to hurry up. <laughs> but what, what's Peggy's deal? Why is she being kind of pushy to get them out of the door? Hmm. I wonder. Now Hank says, before we go, we have to ask the great spirit, Wei Matanya, to watch over us on this trip. The boys think it's all cool and everything. The trip is about the sacredness of Mother Earth and all she gives us. So pee now, because once we're on the road, we're not stopping. <laughs> That's smart. So Hank tells Peggy that he'll see her on Sunday, and she says, yeah, 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 okay, bye. <laughs> so what's Peggy's deal, right? Hank tries to start the car, but it won't turn over. Hank says he has to charge the battery. Peggy kind of freaks out and yells to pop the clutch as she starts pushing the car. Hank tries again and while Peggy is pushing and boom, 
good to go. So, all right. Good job, Peggy. <laughs> now, this whole time, Peggy's been in her bathrobe, by the way. But as soon as the car is out of view, she takes the robe off to reveal she's fully clothed under that robe. And she hops in Hank's truck and drives off. So, Peggy's up to something, something, something. <laughs> but what is it? Who knows? So, we cut back to the boys and Hank and Bill. Because they're in one car, the other car has Dale and Boomhauer. You know, because that's just how it goes, right? They're playing the license plate state game, but saying, We Matanya each time, which is really annoying, Hank. Oh, by the way, with the license plate state game, they're only seeing the state of Texas. Those are the only plates that they're seeing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, We Matanya, I see Texas. We were telling you, I see Texas. Except Hank wasn't playing. I just did that one. Anyway, so yeah, so there's that. <laughs> Hank asked if they would shut up, and the boys and Bill all yell, You didn't say we Matanya. <laughs> Dale and Boomhauer drive by, and Dale is mooning Hank, Bill, and the boys. Bobby yells, We Matanya, I see Mr. Gribble's butt. We Matanya. Boomhauer loses control while laughing about Dale giving them the pressed ham. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up driving Dale's butt across a bush. <laughs> and yes, across a bush. So, gotta be hurt. Wait, along a bush? Across? I mean, either way, it hurts, right? <laughs> um, back to the car, and they're still pointing out Texas license plates. Hank has had it. All right, that's it. Everybody pile out right now. The 24-hour oath of silence starts now. Here are your silent sticks. Which again, flashback. They had the silent sticks. They were just sticks. Bobby says, those are Slim Jims. Hank says, that's what the white man calls them. We Matanya calls them silent sticks to test your spirit of shutting up. Each time you talk, I take a bite. Talk five times and you're out. 24 hour silence starts now. Bobby goes, right now? Thanks. Bobby, son, you just talked. I'll let that pass, but don't talk again. A little silence. And Bobby says, thanks, Dad. Hank face palms. Son, give me that Slim Jim. He takes a bite and gives it back to Bobby. So one out of five bites for Bobby is gone. He's got to watch it, man. <laughs> now we cut back to Peggy at, at an ATM. At an ATM. What is she up to? We still don't know what she's up to. And now she's burning a receipt? What? And with that burning receipt, she accidentally starts a trash fire. Go figure. <laughs> but why would she want to burn that ATM receipt? Hmm. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> now we cut back to the car, and Bill says, I'm hungry. Hank goes, no problem. He fakes falling asleep while driving and swerving a little. Joseph yells, Mr. Hill, wake up. Hank goes, huh, that was a test. Joseph, give Mr. Dotrieve a bite of your silent stick. Remember, kids, you never know when you'll be tested. Now, who else is hungry? And all the boys go, I am. Hank goes, gotcha. Bobby, Randy, Garth, pass your silent sticks up. 
See, kids, it's harder than you think. You don't want to end up like Randy's dad. <laughs> Randy goes, my dad's a successful patent lawyer. <laughs> Hank replies, not in the eyes of Wee Matonya. <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, so Garth, I, I don't remember Garth popping up in later episodes unless he was just a background character, but just in case, boo first appearance, Garth. There we go. <laughs> um, so after that, Hank motions for Randy to pass up a silent stick and takes a bite. Bill says, I'm still hungry. Who wants a dollar? Say me. Bobby raises his hand and exclaims, me. Bill laughs. Bobby looks disappointed as Hank looks back at him. Bill says, well, these things are addictive as he holds the Slim Jim. <laughs> I mean, they pretty much are, though. They're not the best, but they're kind of, they're good, but it's kind of odd, right? I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hank tells Bobby he has to be careful because his silent stick is almost all gone already and tells him not to talk no matter what. Dell and Boomhauer drive back next to them again with Dell's butt sticking out the window again. And of course, Bobby yells, We Matanya, Mr. Gribble's not wearing a seatbelt. We Matanya. And Hank kills Bobby. You just got four in a row. One more bite, and you can't make straight arrow. Bobby again looks disappointed. Bill says, "I'll take that jerky now." And then cuts to commercial. All right. So after the commercial break, Hank says, "Here it is, boys. The great outdoors," which is just a long line of traffic in front of them going to the park. <laughs> There's a bunch of environmentalists in the woods. Dell says, oh man, what kind of lefty hoot nanny is this? And Hank says, would it kill a treat if she wore a bra? <laughs> uh, cuts back to Peggy driving in what seems to be the desert, just out in the middle of nowhere. No radio stations available as she's like, you know, flipping through the radio stations, trying to find something to listen to. So she's in the middle of nowhere. Where is she going? big mystery hopefully we find out right <laughs> bobby and joseph are at the campsite and uh joseph thinks that they're just testing to see how dumb they are okay they think he just thinks that the the dads are just trying to test them just to see how dumb they are you know nothing nothing crazy right But Bobby gets offended by this, honestly. And he says, or really yells, my dad wouldn't trick us, but is worried that more of his silent stick will be eaten because he only has one bite left. So he writes it down real quick on a notepad, and Joseph gets it and reads out loud, my dad wouldn't trick us, and then gives him a weird look. <laughs> the guys are at the cliff and yell, we Matonya. Then it shows them in their normal formation, alley formation, I should say. Uh, which I guess isn't completely normal at this point, if you think about it, because it's only episode three, so it's technically not normal. I really, like, honestly, like, I really got to stop th really talking and thinking as if I've seen the show a million times, even though I have. I need to be like, okay, this is like my first time, even though it's not. <laughs> uh, but anyway, whatever. Now, Hank, the guys, and all the boys are sitting around the the campfire, and Hank says... I am kicking elk. 
As long as the sacred fire is burning, the oath of silence is suspended. The boys all celebrate. Hank says, shut up. I'm talking here. Hank calls upon Wimatonye. Protector of the sacred ground that brings us cool water to drink and energy efficient, clean burning propane gas for all our sacred heating and cooking needs. Wimatonye says, respect the earth. She's ours. Our taxes paid for her. <laughs> also, uh, it says here you have to love all our creatures. And then he follows that up with, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to recommend us to the spirit in the sky with liberty and justice for all. We, Matanya, is with you and with Texas. Amen. And then all the boys say, Amen. <laughs> now it's late and Peggy is stopping at a random hotel for a room. The woman asks for her name and she says, I am Senora Gracia Ibanez. I had to make sure I, spell, I, I said it right. It's Gracia. That's how she pronounces it. Uh, Senora Gracia Ibanez. And I will be paying in cash. So this just really furthers on, like, what is Peggy doing? <laughs> like, obviously, the ATM makes sense now. She didn't want Hank to know that she was checking into a motel. And then she burned the receipt, just to burn the receipt. Um, I guess just so he wouldn't question why she took out money from the ATM, I guess. But but again, keep in mind, this is 97. So it's not like where you can just get online and check the the balance and everything. So can't do that. Just strictly paper trail at that point, right? So, and if you didn't know that, yes, it was all paper trail at that point. <laughs> you can't go online and check it. So, and I guess if you could, like, it would just be like really bare bones. It wouldn't give any information like it does now to where you can verify your transactions and make sure it was actually you that did the transaction. So there's that. But yeah, so, okay. So she's checking into a motel, still getting kind of weird. What is she up to kind of thing? Now we go back to the campsite and the boys are reciting the quote oath of the order of the straight arrow. And what is that oath? A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow is against bill HR 57 to allow the importation of South American propane. <laughs> of course it is, right? Not that Hank had anything to do with that oath. <laughs> But now, the snipe hunt. Hank gives the explanation of the snipe hunt. You are about to come face to face with the deadliest beast in creation. Those who survive will be honored members of the Order of the Straight Arrow. And those who don't will be dead. Protect us on our hunt. Oh, Emma protect us on our hunt. All right, this here's your whoop-ass stick to beat the snipe back in case he comes at you. Well, what does a snipe look like? It's got red glowing eyes, long crooked teeth, a claw, and a tail with another claw on the end. <gasps> Easy, Dale. So they start the snipe hunt, or they're starting to do the snipe hunt, and uh, Hank says, now you have to make the call in order to get the snipe out. Hank, what's that? What's the snipe call again? Remember, the snipe call is this. Woo, loo, loo. Woo, loo, loo. They get back to the main campsite and know that the boys will be busy for a bit. But wait, 
There's some wrestling going on. What? Bobby, what did you just do there? I got one! I got one! What the? What are you talking about? Oh, my Lord, that's a whooping crane. Hmm, there's only five of those left in the world. Well, four now. Then we should be thankful we got the opportunity to see one. Uh-oh, got to commercial time. Which, I had to bring this up. Now, of course, I'm watching this on Hulu, right? So, the first commercial that played on this commercial break is, I swear it's like a company plant band, or a band that was planted by a company, you know what I mean? There's a couple of these commercials that I've seen. There's this band that just played, and there's a female singer that both just seem very eh i guess would be a way to say it um but somehow they both have commercials on hulu that play all the time i don't know just something smells fishy i don't know them i can't i don't like honestly if you ask me what some of the lyrics were from the commercials i wouldn't know uh i don't know their names but they're very just you know what i mean like they're just very uh vanilla i guess just ready for consumption and just out there because of that so it's weird anyway so <laughs> getting back to the episode now we're back from commercial break and dale is poking the whooping crane with a stick now you gun and done it <laughs> and hank says we're all in this together and dale says whoa no me and boomhauer came on our own trip in our own conveyance you and i may be acquainted but we are not traveling companions. I'm merely here to enjoy Earth Day and play some hacky sack. So he's pretty much saying he's one of the environmentalists now. <laughs> Which we all know that is far from the truth. <laughs> uh, whether this situation or not. <laughs> uh, Bill says, Dale, I'm going to need you to get me the keys now. <laughs> uh, now this has Bobby stressed out, of course, because, I mean... Yeah, it's a big deal, right? So he's he's stressed out. Uh, Joseph is there trying to cheer him up. He said it wasn't his fault. He thought it was a snipe. And Bobby said that we Matanye turned it into a whooping crane so he could live and get his straight arrow badge. Joseph comes back, says there's no such thing as a snipe. Bobby says, no, my dad is the arrow leader. He speaks only with honor to where we Cut to Hank saying, we'll ditch the carcass in the, by the interstate in the morning. Now let's just go to sleep. And as he's putting it into like a cooler. <laughs> so, you know, only with honor. <laughs> uh, Del says, yes, yes, we'll go to sleep now. Hank says, Bill, get his pants and shoes. They <laughs> know better than to trust Dale. Come on. Uh, but yeah, what a crazy night. They have a plan though for when they wake up, but now it's morning and there's some beeping going on. What's this beeping going on, right? Hank is woken up by a guy from the forestry service looking for a missing whooping crane. <laughs> that was him waking up, by the way. <laughs> uh, that beeping was because the crane is tagged with a transmitter that helped the ranger track it to within 10 yards 
of the guy's campsite. He asks Hank if he's seen the whooping crane, and Hank says, a whooping crane in these parts? I think I would have noticed something like that. They're pretty rare, aren't they? He says, oh yes, very rare and beautiful. The ranger looks at Boomhauer and asks if he knows anything about this, and, well... Sir, do you know anything about this? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, dude, one of them snap punch last night, man, with them stick in the bag and them quack, quack, man, if he'd go woo-loo, talking about that big mistake, y'all, right there in that cooler. Well, if you do see anything, you can contact the ranger station. I mean, he straight up told him the whole story and where it was. <laughs> but because it's Boomhauer, he didn't know. <laughs> uh, the ranger then turns and asks the boys... If they know, Randy starts trying to tell their ranger and Hank cuts him off because they can't talk for 24 hours and brings up the order of the straight arrow. And the ranger knows all about that because he was a member too, of course. <laughs> Dale hops out of the tent all tied up and gagged. He's just wearing his underwear, hat, and sunglasses, of course. The ranger looks over and says, Straight arrow hasn't changed a bit since I was a boy. Now, at this point, Hank is just ready to get rid of the bird before things get worse, as you would think, right? But when he opens the cooler, it's gone. The whooping crane is not in the cooler now. There's a lot of what's going on in this episode. Not just with Peggy, but even with this. The whooping crane's like, what? what is going on? Like, there's just so much happening in this episode. <laughs> now, while Hank's head is in the cooler looking obviously um well not really in it it's just you know open and it's a shot from the cooler's perspective you see hank's head yeah because it'd be stupid if he's got it in there and looking around right <laughs> um we hear bobby in the background chanting we matanya we matanya and then it cuts to bobby holding it towards the sky as he's chanting the we matanya we matanya so he's holding this whooping crane this dead whooping crane up to the sky and and chanting to where hopefully those environmentalists don't hear of course uh hank freaks out and says that they have to bury it bobby says they can't bury it because we matanya wants us to honor the bird's sacred spirit <laughs> hank says and we will do just that in the dumpster behind stuckies <laughs> unfortunately one of the environmentalists sees them with the whooping crane and yells, murderers! <laughs> she exclaims that and then says she has to go tell the ranger. So, at this point, I wonder if Peggy's reached her secret location yet. Oh, wait. Here's Peggy. <laughs> and she's parked in front of Lubbock's Very Big Shoes, Fashions for the Large-Footed Lady. This is sort of a first appearance, I guess. It's kind of like the, it's kind of again like the first mention earlier of uh, Hank's propane and propane accessories kind of thing. Um, this is the first mention of Peggy's big feet. So that's two big character developments in one episode. Kind of, because I know Hank's was technically last episode with propane, but not as much. It was just that he was working at a propane place. So that's, I would say that's two big things in this episode so far, right? Um, 
she meets up with a guy at the front uh, in front of the building actually named brock and she says brock and he goes gracia <laughs> so sticking with that that alias there right uh so it's not the first time she's used that name She tells him she almost couldn't get away. And of course we go back and thinking about how she kind of pushed Luann out the door with some bus fare to get, you know, to her mother's situation. So again, that's why she almost didn't make it. Let's see. They walk by a wall of like signed photos, kind of, you know, like in restaurants when they have like people that like celebrities that, that visit and, leave sign pictures same thing with this i know that was really big in the 90s and before i don't know if places do that as much anymore uh, but anyway uh you know there's a bunch of them on the wall and i'm guessing those are just photos of celebrities of celebrity women sorry with big feet one of the big ones that stuck out was janet reno she was there <laughs> uh peggy says amigo it is time for some new zapatas or how does she say it Zapatas. That's how she says it. Zapatas. Or shoes, as you say in your country. <laughs> now she's with the real shoe guy. And he says that she's that he's got a mock Italian alligator for her. He sends off a guy to get them for Senora Ibanez. Size 16 triple E. So that's the first mention of Peggy's shoe size. So we have that she has big feet. And then now the first knowing of her, the first reference of her actual shoe size. So there's that. <laughs> now this obviously sets up a lot of character for Peggy. And I know I mentioned it earlier, but it does. Like it sets up a lot early on. That may or may not come back up in later episodes. Maybe. <laughs> Brock, you are a genius, Peggy says. This is why I come to Lubbock's very big shoes. <laughs> Brock says, I'll have Chuck and Buzz carry the box out to the car for you. Has to have two people to carry the shoe box out. Two. Chuck and Buzz. <laughs> now back the park and nature <laughs> the environmentalist that saw bobby and the whooping crane is you know talking to the forestry ranger and says i saw him waving it over his head really proud i also heard that they were hunting snipe last night and then <laughs> the ranger says there is no snipe which the environmentalist re replies how many more species must be wiped out before we learn <laughs> Uh, by the way, that environmentalist is the same voice of Peggy Hill. Um, I am going to do an episode, speaking of that, I am going to do an episode uh, probably after season one, uh, breaking down the voice actors and actresses, because I do want to go over that. There are different things, like there is something here at the end about this one even, this episode. I do want to go over all the voice actors and everything, but I want to make that uh, its own special episode because i want to get a lot more characters in the fold before i do that you know what i mean um so we'll get to that i promise that is coming 
the guys are leaving and you can actually see them in the background while the environmentalist is talking to the ranger and hank is trying not to look too suspicious so of course he's keeping his speed down everyone's kind of just hunched down which in the car just makes it seem like they're guilty obviously (laughs) but then he hears a quote-unquote flapping sound go figure bobby's back at it doing something (laughs) bobby is holding the whooping crane outside of the car window like it's flying and he says taste the wind one last time bird spirit hank yells bobby (laughs) bobby pulls it in quickly and they drive faster out of the way uh now cuts to hank digging up a hole in the ground a different environmentalist sees them and yells there they are the nature haters let's get them now very ironically they start chasing the guys and step one of them i don't know who it was exactly one of them steps on a nest and steps on some eggs as they're chasing after the guys and chasing them to their car so yeah you know nature (laughs) uh the guys pull over at the side of the road and see a culvert hank tries shoving it in and it's just too big it won't go in uh dale looks at bill and says he could eat it but bill says i filled up on silent sticks (laughs) bobby takes the whooping crane to the water while the guys are talking out options and says brother bird i've given you a last flight and made my peace with you i release your spirit to we matanya woo loo loo Son, would you please knock it off? You're driving me nuts. There is no Wemitanye. It's just some damn nonsense we made up to fill out the weekend. Tell him, Dale. How do you know my name, Crane Killer? I never met any of you people before in my life. Tell him, Bill. He's right, Bobby. It's all a crock. Those spirit bags of yours just my ex-wife's old socks, and by the way, I want them back. After that, Bobby comes back and says, so everything you said was all a lie? Hank says, yes, that's the secret of the snipe hunt. That's the whole point. He says, oh, I get it, I guess, and lowers his head all sad. Hank says, Bobby, I didn't mean to let you down. I just, when Dale and Bill and Boomhauer and me went through this as kids, all the tricks and lies from our dads, they were part of the experience. It brought us all together, you know, us against them. Bobby says, I don't want to be against you. You're my dad. We're supposed to be on the same team. Hank comes back and says, of course we're on the same team, you and me. And now Team Hill is going to bury that whooping crane together and get out of this park without getting caught. (laughs) Unfortunately, not, because we hear a siren in the background as soon as this happens. And And you hear, there they are. The ranger comes down and says, Sir, you lied to me, you lied to this little boy, and I don't know what you did to this gentleman in his underwear. I'm going to have to take you into the ranger station. Son, hand me the bird body. I need it for evidence. Bobby reaches down, and all of a sudden the whooping crane starts moving and stands up, which blows everybody's mind, of course. Um, I think Joseph says, It's a miracle. And Bobby says, we Matanya. <laughs> and the ranger says, I guess knocking a crane unconscious isn't a crime. 
Although it's probably not good for them. You're free to go. That crane just majestically starts running and takes off and flies away from everyone from there. Bobby says, I knew you wouldn't lie to me, Dad. That was just the final test. We Matanya does exist. Hank says, the bird was just unconscious, Bobby. We Matanya does exist. The bird was just unconscious, Bobby. No, it was dead until I made We Matanya bring it back to life. From the shaman. Oh, God, my head hurts. I can heal you, Dad. Now, as the credits roll, it has in memory of Victor Aaron. Now, this is where I want to go into it later on, but this Victor Aaron was the original voice of John Redcorn. Uh, John Redcorn does get replaced, obviously, because Victor Aaron does pass. Yeah, so that that happened. But anyway, again, that I'll bring that back up when I get into the covering all the voice actors and actresses and everybody. We'll cover that. This time, this episode, we actually get a credit scene instead of it just being the, you know, the black background, white words, going over names, uh, the producers, everything like that. This one actually has a scene. Shows Peggy kind of looking around, walking in and with the box of shoes and she files off part of the shoe size. <laughs> so that's more character building. She, she's hiding stuff, and which is kind of crazy because at this point you would think Hank knows they've been married. But do we know that he knows that she has big feet and what size they are? Who knows? It's only episode three of season one, right? <laughs> uh, but her size 16s are now size sixes. <laughs> she says, welcome home, boys. Did you have fun? Hank says, don't ask. How was your weekend? She said, oh, same old, same old. He asked, did you do some shopping? And he goes, she's Peggy, next to this, the shoe box. Keep in mind, it's a shoe box. Mm-hmm. I bought a microwave. <laughs> Hank says, boy, I tell you what. This family goes through microwaves quicker than most people go through shoes. And Peggy says, just says, yeah? Mm-hmm. And we have the end. So... What a great episode, right? It's uh it's crazy that like this is uh like the first season and I'm probably going to say this after each episode. It's like the first season just builds so much in each episode. It's crazy that they packed so much in there cuz of course like when you're watching it, you're not really thinking about that. But when you're like dissecting it like this, there's a ton of stuff going on. Like character building, going back and forth between characters. And I mean, again, like when you're just casually watching it, you don't think much about it, but when you break it down, it's pretty crazy and very impressive. I, like I said, last episode, like it's super impressive what all they're getting into each episode, uh, within like 22, 23 minutes because commercials cut out a lot of the time, obviously of the 30 minutes. So again, this is a great episode. This, this season one is, is pretty great it's right up there you know the first three episodes are all pretty killer which thankfully bobby was not a killer of a whooping crane in this episode <laughs> he just knocked it unconscious uh, and it took a little bit of a nap <laughs> but thankfully that whooping crane 
came back to life and flew away. Nobody got in trouble. So yeah, that was a good episode, right? Um, yeah. Episode four. I'm not, I'm not looking at, I'm pretending like I don't have TV guide. I can't see what it is until I start watching it for the recording. So episode four, I'm looking forward to getting back to it, seeing what we're dealing with in that episode. It is funny though. that It's still, it's still funny to me anyway, how, you know, we went from Beavis and Butthead from Mike judge to King of the Hill where there's like lessons and just a lot of wholesome stuff. And again, I know I've mentioned that before, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's pretty funny going from the two and seeing the differences between the two. Um, but yeah, so that's episode two. I definitely hope you enjoyed it or no, not episode two, episode three. Jeez. I'm, I'm already messing up. That's pretty sad. Um, but yeah, that was episode three. <laughs> uh, let me know what you think. Uh, you can always email me at natediggitycares at gmail.com, N-A-T-E-D-I-G-A-D cares at gmail.com. Leave feedback wherever you listen to it. Um, would love to hear so, what you think. Either way, uh, let me know. And, you know, until next next week, hopefully next week, until next week. <laughs> oh, kids and their crazy dreams. I'm so depressed I can't even blink.